I want to invite you guys to turn your Bibles to John, the book of John, and we'll be reading from John chapter three. Um, we're continuing on through the book of John. We've read through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and now we're reading through John, John chapter three, and we're going to meditate, prayerfully meditate on this text, this good, beautiful morning. And we're going to do as we always do. Ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? And God, what are you revealing concerning me? Let's get right to it. Let's dig right in. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, as we come together right now, Lord, our community comes together right now to read your word. Father, I pray that you would bless this moment, breathe into this moment. And for those, Lord, who may be um, listening to this later on Patreon, there are those who will be um, listening to this later on the podcast. Father, I just pray that you would uh, bless each and every one of us, regardless of where we are or when we are <laughs> listening to this. Father, I just pray that you would um, bless us as we read your word. Father, we pray, Lord, for divine revelation. We pray, Lord, for intentional revelation concerning each and every one of us and meet us right where we are. Convict us, correct us, inspire us. Lord, exhort us, encourage us. When in all these things, and we say that in Jesus' name, amen. And it says this in John chapter three, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have 
everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have done in God. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came to the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Ainun, near Salim, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Then there arose a dispute among some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the spirit by measure. The father loves the son and has given him all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. John chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples Then John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, 
How is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming. And now is when true worshipers worship the Father in spirit and the truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who you speak, sorry, I who speak to you am he. At this point, the disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to him, men, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months, then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receive wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. 
So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this indeed, that this is indeed the Christ, the savior of the world. Now, after the two days, he departed from there, went to Galilee for Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made water into wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour before he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. We'll read one more chapter. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, sorry, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool and the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him who was cured, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. He answered them, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. 
The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the father do. For whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. For the father loves the son and shows all things, shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. That all should honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now in now is when the dead will hear the voice of the son of God and those who hear will live. For as the father has life in himself, so he has granted the son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute the judgment also, because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear the voice and come forth, those who have done good, to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil in the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I see these things that you may be, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning and shining lamp and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's for the works which the father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me that the father has sent me and the father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent him, you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you 
that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my father's name and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you, him, you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the father. There's one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. I'm going to stop right here. There's a lot of weight. A lot of weight in the book of John. You can't read the book of John and not be stirred. You, you can't read John and not be perturbed in your soul. <laughs> you can't read John and after you re you've read it, go, oh, snap. The one thing I love about John, because if I've, I've said this, I said this in our last read and rant, and I'll say it again in this one. You'll probably say it, hear me say it over and over again. John is different. John is different because John highlights some of the things that Jesus said that brings light to the grandeur of Jesus, like how big Jesus is. And there's a beauty to speak about the humanity of Jesus. I, I, and, and I love that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I, I love that what Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, speak on is, is to help us understand that Jesus was fully human. Okay? He was fully human. He wasn't like partially human. He was fully human. And that he understood the human experience. He empathizes with us. He dwelt with us like he, and so and so matthew mark and luke they they help us understand that they help us see a jesus who while he is filled with grace and truth and while he is he has all power he's very much uh, deeply steeped in the human experience but john man john is something else because John helps remind us that while he was fully human, don't get it twisted. We're talking about God here. Don't get it twisted. We're talking about God in the flesh. This is just some guy who's wise. This is some guy who is different He's different. He's not like the other prophets. He's not like the other wise men who've come before him. He's not like the other miracle workers. He's not like the great figures and faces that we see in other religions who profess themselves to have heard from God and to be prophets of some sort. But this man is different. He is saying something that 
is radical. I think sometimes we we miss how radical how radical what Jesus is saying is. He wasn't just radical in his approach to the systems and the orders and the institutions, and he wasn't just radical and and how he had approached the the religious leaders. He wasn't just radical in that sense. He was radical in these in the assertions and the affirmations that he's making concerning himself. Jesus is 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 declaring himself to be God. I know we talked about this in Bible study and I maybe I didn't mention it then but I'll mention it here in the Bible study. If you ever ask the question of is Jesus God? And you want to get testimony from Jesus about whether he's God or not, just read through the book of John. The book of John is slamming it at you in so many different directions and in so many different ways. Jesus is declaring himself God. And I think we forget that sometimes. We 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 sometimes miss that. And we miss how profoundly radical that statement is that a man has declared himself to be God. So let's sit in that for a second. Let's sit in that for a second because I'm going to get to my point here. Because what Jesus is saying then is if he is God, then he is the priority. And it is all about him. If he is God, then it is about him. He's actually in charge. And what he is affirming, even as we've read, especially in chapter five, because I'm going to go backwards for a second before I get to my point here. He's affirming things that I've said over and over again, right? Jesus is berating. I mean, he's coming at the Pharisees and he tells the Pharisees in verse 39, you search the scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. He's literally saying the scriptures, you know, that everything you've been reading about all the Psalms that you were singing, all the stories that you were reading about Israel and first and second Chronicles and first and second Kings the, the stories that you read in Job and what you read in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua and Judges and Ruth, all the stuff we read when we did the read and rant over the past year, um, the past previous year, when we read through the entire Old Testament, Jesus is saying, you've been reading all of this. You know that that was a testimony concerning me. You know that everything you read was about me. You'll ask, well, how should I read the Bible? You should read the Bible first knowing that it all points to Jesus. And if you read it any other way, you're missing it. Let me say that one more time. I'm going to say it louder for the people in the back. If you read the Bible and it's not pointing to Jesus, you're reading it wrong. 
If you read the Bible and it's not leading you to Jesus, you're reading it wrong. If you read the Bible and what you're reading makes you think better of yourself apart from Jesus, you're reading it wrong, demonic. If you read the Bible and you read it, believing somehow that by reading this book, your race, your politics, your ethnicity, whatever it is, is somehow a priority over someone else's apart from Jesus, you're reading it wrong. If you read the Bible and somehow you leave there going, these are the things I need to be and to do to be a good person, you're reading it wrong. This book that you read is not about you. I mean, just sit in that for a second. This book that you read is not about you. It's not about you. It was never about you. It's about Jesus. It's about God. God in flesh. Not about you. And there are many people who go to the Bible, who go to scripture, and they go to scripture to figure out how to live their best life. How to, how, how to be the best husband. It's not to say that there are principles, there are kingdom principles in the scriptures that teach us all these things. Because again, the life in abundance and the life that flourishes is one that is, that is rooted in and submission to the principles of God. I get that. I get it. And I get it. There's a lot of Christians who actually don't follow the biblical principles and don't get to enjoy the life. And there are others who will follow these biblical principles and they get to enjoy a life that others don't. Because again, this is, these are the laws of the world. These are the laws of our universe. They are principles that do not change regardless of how you feel. But even then, and hear me, fam, it is not about you. And it's not about how to live your best life. You know, there are people who, because of how the Bible has been taught to them, there are people who actually have equated the fact that they haven't experienced the blessings of God to the fact that they're doing something wrong or that they are, that somehow God doesn't favor them. You know, if God just favored me, maybe God doesn't love me like he loves everybody else. Maybe God doesn't feel a certain way about me because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't bless me like he blesses somebody else. We have this sort of legalistic perspective of God and what he's saying. And, and I hope you're getting this is this was not about you. And some of us are searching scripture for our version of eternal life, for our version of blessing. Some of us are searching the scripture for our version of how I live my best life. My definition of eternal life. 
my definition of what I need to do to go to heaven. Whew. And he says, some, some people read the scriptures and they miss it. But he said, you can read the Bible all day, but if you're not coming to me, then there is no eternal life for you. Said it before, I'll say it again. The devil knows the Bible. Doesn't mean heaven is his. And the devil knows the Bible probably a lot better than most. I put money that the that the devil knows the Bible more than all of us. <laughs> Woo-wee. And what Jesus is saying is, and he's telling them, he's saying, bro, how do I expect you to believe my words when you don't even read the Bible and see me in it? And if you believed Moses, I mean, just think about that. He's like, if you believe Moses, you would have believed in me because everything Moses wrote about was me. The Torah, the Pentateuch. What Moses wrote was about me. These are bold statements. This is why you cannot, you cannot be wishy-washy with where you stand on Jesus. You just can't, unless you're doing it in ignorance. You cannot be some bold statements here that I have to uh, that I have to present to you here because there are folks who will be like, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I'm kind of, you know, you know, Jesus, you know, he's a wise guy, and you know, fam, you cannot be on the fence with Jesus unless you are presenting it in ignorance <laughs> because either you're all in or you're all out. Because the things that Jesus says, particularly in John chapter five, are things that make you go, dang, I need to pick a side. And anyone who's kind of in the middle and still trying to figure out are those who have not yet fully understood and appreciated the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did. He's not just a wise guy. He's not just some prophet. He's not just someone who just said, you know, who, who, who taught us some, some principles about life. He's just not. I'm sorry if I got to go a little tough here, but I, I'm telling you, there's a lot of folks who, yeah, you know what I mean? No, nah, you know, Jesus, uh, you know. Fam, all of it is about him. And when you know that, it, it it changes completely how you approach, even how you read, even the Old Testament. The Old Testament is about Jesus, testifies of him. Anyway, that's not my point. I'm getting to my point because I got a couple minutes, just a couple minutes. There are those who know scripture, but don't know Jesus. There are those who know doctrine, but don't know Jesus. There are those 
who know tenets of faith but don't know Jesus. There are those who espouse to a denomination but don't know Jesus. There are those who know what their pastor told them but don't know Jesus. There are those who know <coughs> the five points of salvation, but don't know Jesus. There are theologians who talk about Jesus all day, but don't know Jesus. There are pastors who preach about Jesus, but don't know Jesus. Dang, it's getting tough now. There are elders in the church who talk about it, but don't know him. There are deacons, members, parishioners, people who know about him, but don't know him. Why does this matter? It matters because we have a westernized Christianity that converts people to ideas, but doesn't invite people into a relationship with Jesus. We tell people, believe these five different, you know, there's four or five different statements. And if you say you believe these four or five different statements, then you can be baptized. Oh, also follow these rules right here and say that you will honor these rules. And if you honor these rules, then you'll be baptized. And so people make their commitments, not to Jesus, but to their church, to a brand. People will go to the grave for their church. My question is, would they give it all up for Jesus? Would they give it all up for Jesus? This is a re-invitation for a lot of us who've grown up in church. I know there's a lot of folks in here who've grown up in church, but if you read this section of the scripture, if you read what it's saying, like if you intimately read and, and, and you look at it, and I'm talking about just, just, just every line of what you read in John chapter three and John chapter four and John chapter five, if you read it, what you're going to realize is Jesus is inviting people out of religion and is inviting people into a relationship with him. He's inviting people out of the stuff they grew up on and he's inviting people into getting to know him. And the selling point for Jesus was not doctrinal statements. The selling point for Jesus was I had an experience and an encounter with him. Oh man, the man who was healed at the pool of Bethesda. The man who was healed at the pool of Bethesda did not know Jesus, but had an encounter with Jesus and later affirmed that whatever his encounter was with Jesus. His testimony was of his encounter with Jesus. 
We look at John chapter four and we see the story of the Samaritan woman. And I love this. I, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I remember even re, uh, watching, uh, what was it? Um, in the, uh, what was the movie? The, the Chosen Show, not the movie, but The Chosen uh, Show. And I remember uh, watching that episode and it, it just, I love how they brought that episode to life. I really love how they brought that, uh, the interaction between um, Jesus and the Samaritan woman, how they just brought so much depth and richness to it. This woman did not know Jesus, but she knew religion. This woman was deeply religious. You can see it in the text. She was talking about where you go to worship. She said in verse 20, our fathers worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that Jer that in Jerusalem is the place one ought to worship. He's, she's, she's talking about places to worship and where she's worshiping and what she's grown up on. She is deeply religious. Deep, re deeply religious, but deeply broken. Because religion does not heal anyone. Religion doesn't deliver anybody. Religion does not set anyone free and religion does not give eternal life. And Jesus says to her in verse 21, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither worship on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You'll worship the father. And Jesus says, you've been worshiping a lot, but you worship what you do not know. <laughs> You've been doing a lot of worshiping, but you worship what you do not know. And you know the story already. You've read it. You've probably read this before. If you haven't, you read it with me today. Go back and read it. Read it over and over again, because many of us are like the Samaritan woman. We've been religious for so long but we have not experienced the goodness of God. We've been religious for so long, and yet we find ourselves in perpetual patterns of bondage and struggle. We've been in religion for so long, thinking that religion is going to be the answer, only to find that religion has me stuck. This woman is stuck. Five husbands and now another stuck, rejected, 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 on to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. And this woman has an encounter with Jesus that changes her life. She did not come with pamphlets. She did not come with flyers. She did not come with a postcard saying Jesus is coming soon. She did not come with the end is near. She did not come with believe in Jesus or go to hell. That is not what she came with. In verse 29, she went back into the city and she said, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She didn't even have the answer to the question. All she had was an experience and an encounter. And in that question,
brought an entire city to Jesus. You know what I love about the fact that she asked the question? I love that she asked the question because she invited people not to believe in her tenets of faith, but she invited people to go see Jesus for themselves. She invited people to go have a moment with Jesus. She invited people to say, hey, listen, I don't know because I know who Jesus was for me and I know what Jesus did for me. But I would highly suggest to you to go and go check him out for yourself and see who he is for you. And that's exactly what they did. Many of the Samaritans went to the city and they believed in him because of the woman who testified what? I'm Presbyterian. Because of the woman who testified, yeah, you know, I'm Southern Baptist. I grew up Southern Baptist. Because of the woman who testified, you know, I'm I'm Methodist. Because the woman who testified, I'm full gospel, Pentecostal. Because the woman testified, fill in the blank. Of the hundreds of denominations there are in the United States, fill in the blank. That is not what the woman came with. Her testimony and her evangelism prompt was, he told me all that I ever did. That was her prompt. Do y'all hear me? That was her prompt. Her prompt was, Jesus, call me out. Call me out on my sin. Call me out on my brokenness. Told me all the stuff I ever did. That was her testimony. Her testimony was, I had an encounter with Jesus. And an entire city came because of her story about her encounter with Jesus. And then in verse 42, they respond and say, woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the savior of the world. What if we invited people to Jesus again? Like what if we, we pre presented Jesus to people? What if we looked at the scriptures and told people it's about Jesus? Screw your politics. Screw your institutionalized faith. Screw all that. What if, what if it's about just about Jesus? It's about Jesus. <laughs> ah. most famous verse in the Bible for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him 
might be saved. He who believes is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. What are they believing in? Not in, this is what my church taught me. They're believing in the name of the only begotten son, in the anoma. The person, the being, the essence of the son of God. What do we believe in today, family? What are we offering to people today? What are we offering? Well, what's, what's our, what's our prompt? Is our prompt our pastors? Is our prompt our really cool worship experience? Is our prompt? Well, you know, we've got the greatest program. Is our prompt, we teach the real doctrine. Is that our prompt? Miss me with that. Miss me with that religion. Give me Jesus. May we all have Jesus. May we all have an encounter with Jesus. May we all know Jesus. And this is salvation, to know him. May we all be like the Samaritan woman. May we all be like the man who was healed at the pool of Bethsaida. May we all be the nobleman who had an encounter with Jesus. And if the consequence of it is people who say, man, you're not even, you're not even, where your, where's your statement of faith? Where's the, fam, we could talk doctrine all day. And I just want to close this time and say, I believe in the scriptures and I believe in the importance of standing on the word. I believe in, in the importance of good doctrine for the formation of the believer, but family, Doctrine without Jesus is just religion. And I'm sorry. I see too many, too many churches today. Even churches with quote unquote good doctrine. Who don't actually know Jesus. I go to churches and I go, wow, yeah, that wasn't, that was biblically sound. But my God, this church is spiritually dead. How? How can you be biblically sound and spiritually dead? Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for raising my voice for a second. It irks me. It irks me to see our churches today and we wonder why our churches are losing relevance we wonder why our churches are losing impact they're not losing impact because we don't have the coolest you know internet strategy they're not losing impact because we don't have you know we're not quote unquote relevant and because we we're not we're not you know 
pandering to the culture. And so we need to have a church that's more relevant. No, that's not why we're losing impact. We're losing impact because we've lost our first love. What happened to Jesus? And as much as I love doctrine and I love the study of the word and I I love all of that, fam, it cannot come at the cost of Jesus. And I think today the culture is just tired of pontificators who just like to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk about ideas. If you're going to believe in what Moses said, then you're going to have to believe in Jesus. So today, let's go back to our first love. Miss me with that religion. Miss me with that religion. It did nothing for the Samaritan woman. And religion will do nothing for you. Dear Heavenly Father, as we close this time together in prayer, Lord, I just ask today, Lord, that you would Lord, convict us, Lord, to never give the doctrines of man priority over a relationship with you. Father, we pray, Lord, that we would first prioritize you, to know you and to share you first and for all other things to follow afterwards. Father, teach us, Lord, to grow in our relationship with you. Give us a thirst to know you, to know you, not ideas, but to know you. Father, Lord, draw our hearts towards you. Let us be the deer that pants forth the waters. Let us be the one whom our soul longs after. Father, draw us, Lord, to you, that we would desire you, desire to know you. And Lord, that we would share you, not from what a book says, but that we can share you intimately with who you've been for us. So bless each and every person here, those who are live right now on Discord, those who will listen to this later on Patreon, those who will listen to it even later on our podcast. Father, I just pray that you would bless each and every person who's hearing this. May we be drawn to you. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love y'all, fam. Again, thank you to all the patrons. Thank you for your support. You guys make all this possible. You're the reason why I can do this. I am so grateful for you all. Um, and if you're looking to support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere, patreon.com slash I-S-A-A-C-F-R-E-R-E. And if you're looking to just join the community, maybe you can't support yet. Maybe you're not ready to yet. I want to encourage you to join our Discord community. And for those of you who are still debating. There's a free trial period. You can test it out, see what it's all about. Um, but this, this episode will be available right away on Patreon, maybe a month later on the Read and Rant podcast. And so uh, we encourage you to do that. Guys, support us or join our community or do both. Uh, because again, we love y'all and we want to stay connected. Guys, God bless you. Thank you so much. 
Love y'all, fam. I will see you guys uh, on Sunday for Bible study. All right. Enjoy the weekend. Be safe, y'all.